Today is Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. China strikes back. The communist nation issues a threat after Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Let's get through the news of the cray together. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Leave a rating and uh, tell it to a friend. Don't keep it to yourself. Tell a friend. Why not? Uh, helping me get through the news as well. Trey Gons Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faith Wire. Guys, hump day. What's going on? Living the dream. We're almost to Friday. My favorite day. Flying. I mean, Wednesday's a good day. Yes. It's church day for a lot of people, right? So this yes. evening they'll be at church. Yeah. Our church moved yeah. to that. Wednesday nights do the yeah. whole, everything all at once. They just streamlined it. Youth group, Bible studies, Wednesday yeah, nights jamming at the church. <laughs> knock it all out. Yeah. It's Wednesday's great. Wednesday's the new Sunday. <laughs> We love it. We do dinner there and everything else. It's great. So you guys have some stories coming up that are quite interesting here. A teen pro-lifer, this one's disturbing, actually, gets beat up while going door to door. All the details on that. And there are calls being made now for, quote unquote, energetic atheism. Trey, I've got thoughts on this one, Trey. I mean, I'll save them. I'll save them for when you bring it up. But I, I've got thoughts. It'll be a fun time. <laughs> Aren't they energetic enough? I know. I know. It's a walking contradiction. I'll explain later I'll Let when Trey gets through the details. But first, oh, and also, I don't want to forget the main thing. Coming up, miracles in Ukraine. As the war rages on there, we're seeing miracles. Trey Gons Phillips spoke with author Kyle Duncan about what he saw on the ground and why it matters for Christians. So all that's coming up. But we are going to start here with our first thing today, the news in 90 seconds. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi landed in Taiwan yesterday despite threats from the chinese government that there would be quote-unquote serious consequences for the visit china's defense ministry said it's launching targeted military operations in response to pelosi's visit to the island the justice department has sued idaho over its trigger near total abortion ban this is the biden administration's first abortion lawsuit against the state since the supreme court overturned roe v wade uh, pay to slay. The Palestinian Authority is literally paying for terrorism against Israelis through a law which standardizes payments to terrorists. Get Chris Mitchell's full story on this disturbing development and more of today's top headlines over at CBNnews.com. That's just some of what's going on there, guys. And let's talk about this one, Billy. This is the teen pro-life advocate in Kansas who was attacked while going door to door. What in the world happened here? Yeah, there's a big vote on Tuesday. There was on Tuesday, obviously, um, involving the Kansas state constitution. And she was going door to door, um, trying to get people to support that amendment. And this is an 18 year old girl. Her name is Grace Hartstock, and she apparently went up to a door and knocked on the door. The woman who answered wasn't very interested, but was polite. And I guess as Grace was walking away, this other woman allegedly stormed out of the house screaming. It was apparently the woman who opened the door's daughter and allegedly went after Grace, screaming at her and not just screaming at her, but allegedly beating her with her fist and pushing her. And so this was reported to the police. And according to the local police there in Kansas, they actually ended up arresting the 37 year old woman, charging her with misdemeanor battery and then releasing her. And so really a disturbing alleged event. There's a little video that captures the last few seconds of this apparent event. And you can see a woman 
woman um, cursing and and you know yelling at uh, at this teenager. So really interesting. Now Kristen Hawkins, who is the head of Students for Life Action, she put out a statement about this event um, and said, you know, that young people are not going to be silenced or gripped by fear that these pro-lifers are going to go out and share what it is they believe. So it's getting quite a reaction because. Yeah, look, this is apparently a teenager going door to door, standing up for what she believes in. And, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, it's, it's free speech, right? You don't agree. You tell the person to go on their way. And that's what should have happened. And, you know, there could be other details. We don't know them. But based on what we know, um, that's that's what happened. Pretty disturbing stuff. Yeah. What I'm interested in here is the woman's anger and the in why in the world the first person that answered the door allegedly was polite and just said, OK, no, thanks. Like, what I'm interested, what leads someone to be that full of rage to come running out at a teenager? It, it's so bizarre to see this reaction to just being on one side of an issue, and particularly when you're on the side of being pro-life and the connotation should be that you're in favor of saving babies. So to see someone react so angrily to that, it's really shocking. Well, one more thing, too. She allegedly yelled, I hope you get raped. I hope you get run over by a car. There were all these things coming out, apparently, of this person's mouth in addition to the physical action. So very, very strange. You know, I think the only way to make sense of this stuff, and we've talked about this so many times here and elsewhere, is that this is a spiritual issue, right? I think Satan has a stronghold on our culture because... There is no way that you can, as an adult, I mean, even as a kid, can logically make sense of that kind of behavior. Like, who would get that enraged over a person simply saying, one, a kid, she's 18, uh, just saying, you know, that she wants to protect the unborn, she wants children to have a chance uh, at life. So, I mean, such a, a benign, I mean, an important message, but not a violent one at all. And this is the kind of reaction that yeah. it gets. I, I just think people are so far removed from logic at this point that this is just a spiritual issue and our culture is so blinded uh, to the way we're behaving. Yeah, and I know, li- listen, I know how sin works. I mean, we're all sinners. We all do it. You know, when my wife, you know, kind of challenges me on something and if I know I'm wrong, like, well, why did you do that? And I'm like, in my mind, I know I'm wrong. Like your first reaction is to get defensive, at least for me, I can be defensive. And so I and I know I'm wrong. I'm like, ah, but I'm still going to be defensive and defend myself here. And so I see that in reactions like this, of course, not completely unhinged like that. But it's it's like that kind of a reaction, but on steroids, just totally heightened up, full of emotion and I, that's the only way I can possibly explain it. You're right, Trey, a spiritual battle, because I, I can't even imagine anything. I just look, if someone comes to my door and it's a door to door person pitching something, usually I kind of just want them to go away. I'm just looking. I'm like, OK, hey, that's great. Thanks. See you later. You know, I'm, I'm not going to yell at them almost no matter yeah. what they say. So it's 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 wild. That amount of anger directed at a stranger. Yeah. As far as we know, this is a stranger from what the report is, right? So and a kid. there's some other yeah, detail, a kid. I mean, yeah, I just can't imagine. Yeah, indeed. So, all right. Well, thanks for uh, bringing that story. Now, here's another one, Trey, that I mentioned at the top. I have thoughts on. <laughs> um, atheists, they're, they're calling for a new, what was the phrase? Energetic atheism. Yeah, that's it. All right, break this down. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait till you get through, and then I'll talk. But I'm I'm yeah, interested okay. in this one. Yeah. So uh, Americans, and particularly 
women uh, are being held hostage by Christian ideas. Now, that's not according to us. That's according to uh, this MSNBC <laughs> columnist uh, who believes that the answer to that problem, uh, in his eyes, uh, is a, a new energetic atheism uh, that you alluded to there, Dan. Uh, so Zeeshan Alim is the name of the writer. Uh, he warned in his article titled Why America Needs a New Atheism Right Now uh, that the United States is enduring what he called a crisis caused by an excess of religion, <laughs> arguing that Christian theocracy is, quote, an emerging reality in America. Uh, so he, he says quite a bit uh, in this piece. Uh, of course, at the center of his argument is the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade. Uh, he wrote, quote, the overturning of Roe v. Wade means the lives of women across the country are being held hostage by a conservative Christian conception of life. Never mind a scientific one, um, but you know that we can save that for another uh, another day. Uh, he then went on to argue, and you'll enjoy this, Dan, uh, that the solution is, like you said, an energetic atheism. He said, <laughs> "quote uh, It would provide an effective way to guard against the twin crises of intensifying religious extremism on one end and the atomizing social consequences of a plunge in conventional religiosity on the other." So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this. Oh, where do I even begin on this? But uh, my my first thought is always, you know, and I had a I had a debate on, with someone on Twitter the other day about this. I don't know why I engaged, but ta they were talking about how Christianity is an illogical position, and I had to counter that and talk about how atheism is actually a walking contradiction in many cases because. As a soulless material bag of matter in motion, why do you care about any of this stuff? You're just cells and molecules right. in motion. And so for me, the irony of them saying, we need to be more energetic as soulless material bags of matter in motion. Get more energetic. It's a walking contradiction in and of itself. And Like, why do you care? There's well, no ultimate meaning. There's no right and wrong, et cetera, et cetera. Why does it matter? So... That's what I think when I see this, but but also too that we're the Christian theocracy line that we're heading towards that because of the Roe v. Wade. Has he seen the videos of the kids being sent to drag strip shows? I mean, we could name a hundred sins and craziness that's going on. We're talking about Romans one almost every day on this podcast, saying, "Wow, well, Roman one, Romans one comes to mind where they're celebrating evil and calling it good." So when I hear the Christian theocracy thing, my my eyes I have to pry them out of the top of my head because they're stuck from being rolled up so high. It's it's a secular theocracy. It's essentially. I mean, yeah. That's what they've instilled and they're controlling every means of communication to do it. And so it's interesting to watch how atheists in recent years have behaved because what Trey covered here, you know, there have been atheist churches, quote unquote, churches that have developed. There have been atheist meeting groups. There, all of these things that borrow from faith to try to create the same dynamic within atheism. So it doesn't shock me that they're looking to revitalize and organize because they've been doing this for years. And the problem is if you, and this is what Ben Shapiro was saying in a post yeah. that we covered. And you know, if we're not, if we're not having a baseline of something, it's very hard to create morals and values around that. So anyway, it's remarkable. And I'm, I'm actually very interested to see how this manifests itself. Yeah. Well, the, the thing that I was going to add before we, we move on is it's really ironic that they're wanting to borrow from religion to yeah. create this moral compass. Uh, but then 
if it's not rooted in anything, uh, then that moral compass is going to fall apart. It's going to erode eventually because you're eventually going to start to make, well, I'll compromise on this because this yeah. is how I want to live. Uh, you know, it's the same thing with Christianity, a, a progressive or uh, loose Christianity as well. I can, you know, I'll take the good words that Jesus says, but I'll ditch the stuff that I don't like. Well, eventually you ditch enough stuff right. that you, you're not a Christian at all anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially morals that are firmly planted in midair. You're 100% right. They'll just float around and they'll move from one thing to the other. There's no basis for it whatsoever. And that is why as Christians, I think it's we'll talk about it a lot in this podcast. We have and we will. Talking about when you engage, particularly with atheists, don't skip ahead and don't allow the ground. Don't seed the ground of the good and what's right and what's wrong. Challenge the very premise of them even caring about that in the first place. Why do you care about right and wrong? On what basis is that right? Because in in the relativist worldview, all you have to do is say, well, I don't agree with that. I actually think this is right and wrong. They have absolutely, okay, great. That's It's your personal preference at that point. When you keep boiling it down and going back and back and back, that's where it lands. Personal preference and who can convince more people. And everyone, I think, can see the folly in, in that way of life and, and basing your morals that way. So... All right, guys, good stories. Thanks for those. That heads us into our main thing here for today. And miracles are happening in Ukraine as the war continues to rage on. Well, Trey spoke with author Kyle Duncan about what he saw on the ground while there and why it matters for Christians. That's today's main thing. Kyle Duncan, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Doing great today, Trey. Thank you. Um, Just enjoying this beautiful weather in San Diego today. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I have family that's in uh, Northern California area, Sacramento area, and I'm always jealous of the beautiful weather y'all have yeah. uh, you know, year-round. Right, right. California is um, it's a complex state, but the right. weather is great, as they yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I want to get right right to it. You've got a new book coming out uh, in September called Hope for Ukraine, Stories of Grit and Grace from the Front Lines of War. And, you know, I think with the nature of our news cycle here in the West, it's easy to kind of uh, be all about something. uh, And then unfortunately, you move on and you forget uh, about it. You forget to still care. But as believers, we know that that's critical for us to continue to care. So uh, I want to ask you, why did you decide to write this book? Uh, what was it like putting it together uh, and and getting ready to launch it now? Yeah, it's a great question, Trey. So um, twofold uh, answer to your question. First of all, um, my wife and I in 2007, we adopted a little, we felt led very clearly by God to adopt. And God, in you know His small, still voice, spoke very clearly, clearly to my wife that we were supposed to adopt from Ukraine, uh, which was kind of random at the time. It was like, why, why, why Ukraine? And and but that's where we ended up. And uh, so we adopted a, a six-year-old little boy uh, named Corey. Uh, well, we named him Corey. His 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 birth name is Genya, but we thought that might be a little tough for people to pronounce. So. Uh, we kept Genia as his middle name. So that was kind of the impetus, uh, Trey. Like you said, you know, we do fall in and out of the stories, fall in and out of the news cycle all the time. And uh, But for us, having a little boy from Ukraine, plus we have three biological daughters, we were following events in 2014 when uh, the Russians annexed 
Crimean, the Crimean Peninsula, and then the Civil War started in the Donbass, which is the southeastern part of the country. And that got a little news over here, but not a lot. A lot of people don't know that, you know, more than 12,000 people died, up to upwards of 14,000 soldiers and civilians mm -hmm. through that conflict. And then, of course, on February, February 24th, here, you know, the news broke first, actually, before even Ukrainians um, heard that the Russians had crossed the border and invaded on multiple fronts. And so that was the impetus. And then my co-author, Esther Federkevich, who couldn't join us today, Esther is, uh, and you can probably guess by her last name, she is ethnically um, Ukrainian on both sides, both, both sets of parents. And so we work together, we're friends, colleagues, and, and we put our heads together and said, you know, this is an important enough topic and we need to capture stories of what's mm -hmm. happening. Yeah. And, you know, having adopted a child from Ukraine and you've you've followed it for so many years, obviously, because there's a heart connection there. Right. This is something that you uh, very closely care about as a family. And you were actually able to go to Ukraine uh, yeah. and, and, and visit the country uh, in the midst of, of everything that's going on. And you write about uh, some of the incredible ways that you've seen God move uh, in the midst of such uh, desolation and despair. Uh, can you tell us just a little bit uh, about what you saw when you were in Ukraine? A lot of the stories I gathered were from refugees who were, who were, you know, flooding the borders at that time. I mean, people were waiting like 18, 30 hours to get over from Ukraine. And you remember those images and stories coming out at the time. So, um, but it was, uh, I, I kind of, I was kind of like an accidental uh, journalist when I, I got into Ukraine. I was at the border in Poland and I was kind of praying whether I should go over the border. Um, I had promised my wife I wouldn't get anywhere near any fighting. <laughs> so... I was checking the news sites and and at that point Lviv which is the sort of the westernmost large city in Ukraine was pretty quiet so I decided to cross the border by foot which I did and um and that was an incredible experience Trey because um what I thought would be about a 2 or 3 hour journey to get back from Ukraine into Poland took me over 9 hours and while I was in line sitting there, I was with um, people who had just gotten off of buses from the town of Kharkiv. And so it was a very intense, visceral experience um, sitting in this line like any other refugee. And I'm certainly not comparing myself to what these poor people had gone through, but just being in their presence they had most of them had been living in basements for a month you know drinking um you know that had to boil their water um you know i mean it was it was incredible experience to sit there and and speak with people who were coming out of just this horror mm. uh, of what was happening in, in in ukraine so that was my experience in ukraine was one very very long intense uh eventful day uh, and the rest of it was mostly right near the border and interviewing people coming across, including uh, the Operation Blessing Tent, which is a ministry, of course, of CBN. Yeah, absolutely. They've done such incredible work in Ukraine and around the world, and we're, we're thankful for that ministry. You know, I want to ask you, as a father of a Ukrainian child, 
what was it like? How did that filter some of what you were seeing uh, in the country? Going back to 2007, sometimes God takes us places or, or, you know, it doesn't have to be overseas. It could be here where you, you, you fall in love with a place and a people. And that really happened for my wife and I, uh, and even our three daughters, our biological daughters that we brought over to Ukraine when they were little. Um, and so being there on the ground again was, um, was very profound for me. It was very humbling. Um, I felt like I, I was, I was grateful and re- and realized that I was able to play a small part in in getting you know involved in one person's life and being led to adopt. It was clearly God. We weren't looking to adopt. It wasn't like the fairy tale Hollywood movie, you know, where you know people just are pining for adoption and waiting for that baby. Um, for us, it was more of an assignment. Like God told us to do it, and we we went and we did it. Um, and I write about that in one of the stories, but, um, that whole experience was, um, that one day in Ukraine for me was life-changing mm-hmm. and very humbling and just sort of cement further cemented my commitment to pray for the Ukrainian people. And, you know, in addition to being uh, biographical and telling these people's stories, the book is also kind of a, a call to action uh, for believers uh, and and highlighting the responsibility that we as Christians, uh, as the Christian church, have uh, in answering this crisis that's going on in Ukraine uh, with Russia. What would you say to that? How, how should we as believers in the West in particular be responding to this crisis? Sure. Um, well, first of all, I would say, of course, prayer is the most powerful tool we have. Um, I think of Reese Howells, who was, you know, his famous book, Reese Howells Intercessor. Churchill even pointed out he was this, he was this intercessor in Wales during the Blitzkrieg World War II. And several of the top generals in the British uh, Royal Air Force pointed to Reese Howells and he said, we had we had a secret weapon during this this war against the Nazis. And it was Reese Howells and his presumably 100,000 intercessors that miraculously, you know, played a part really in turning the tide. Um, And so I think that um, through an army of intercession um, that we can help turn the tide. This is the largest and most devastating war in Europe in eight decades. And it has the potential spiritually to shift things. Um, And uh, we, we do need to be praying hard into that that, um, you know, that Jesus would shine above, you know, nationalities and borders, just that, that, that revival and transformation would come out of this horrific, terrible thing, you know, where tens of thousands of people have died. The title of the book is Hope for Ukraine, Stories of Grit and Grace from the Front Lines of War, and it's out on September 6th. All right, Trey, thank you very much for that conversation. And that leaves us with time for one last thing here. And guys, as I'm reading through our Bible plan, which I'm well on track for the first time to actually finish one of these Bible plans, it's it's like ingrained in my daily routine now. I love it. Um, but as I, as I read through the Old Testament, Exodus, Judges, Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, I'm struck. I was just thinking about this. It, the same sin that plagues the Israelites over and over and over again, I feel like it's the same sin that we struggle with today, and that's idolatry. And, you know, they didn't trust God. They fashioned for themselves golden calves. I think it just, it's the same thing today. It just manifests itself 
in different ways. You guys see that too? Yeah, no, I mean, there's nothing new under the sun, right? So I yeah. feel like we just keep repeating the same mistakes and yet we have to keep coming back to the truth, right? Over and over again. It's part of the, it's part of that relationship. It's an effort. Yeah, you know, I think it's easy to kind of look in 2022 back at scripture and judge. Like, I can't yeah. believe that, you know, they were just <laughs> right. with Moses right. and then now they're making calves. They're making calves minutes 10 later. minutes later, right? But the reality is, is that we worry about something or we dwell on something and we don't seek the Lord and instead we pull our phone out of our pocket and distract ourselves with that. Yeah. So I, how is it all that different? You know, we're yeah. distracting ourselves from communion with God. Right. And it's not just like, oh, I'm worshiping something. It's you're not trusting God. And that's actually right. something I think that's at the root of so many of our problems today is we're not trusting God to see through what he started. And so I would just, you know, for myself and for everybody, I would just use that as an encouragement today to for everybody to trust God, trust that he's sovereign over all of it and and give it to him, you know, don't be, you know, anxious about anything, but all your, you know, prayers and petitions before Christ. So uh, we'll leave it at that today. That's all the time we have for today's podcast. More than halfway through the week. There we go. We've done it again. So uh, Lord willing and that creek don't rise as always. We'll be back here tomorrow with more. God bless. God bless.